God is good, right? It's, it's, it's awesome to know Him. It's awesome to serve Him, right? It's awesome to be an active child of God in His service. I love it. I love every second of it. And uh, um, it's, it's just, I, I just want to inspire you how excited I am to be with you and to share the word with you this morning. I'm really, uh, this morning I had a lot of stuff rumbling around in my spirit as I was praying and, I was, uh, and as I was preparing. And God was inserting stuff in there. I could feel that he wants to communicate, right, to the people that's here. Because believe it or not, you're not here by accident or incident, right? If you're here this morning, it's, it's by appointment. So the Holy Spirit was moving you and is like, come on, come on, I want you to go here. There's something that I want to communicate to you. So listen up, because there's something in here that I'm going to be communicating this morning that's meant for you. And as soon as I say it and I start to speak about it, your heart's going to pound. It's going to be the Holy Spirit's going to say, that's you. I'm talking to you. So take it on board when that moment comes and when it happens, right? Is that all right? Can I ask you to do that? And be engaged. If there's something here this morning that you hear, you say, hey, amen, right? Yeah, I agree with that. Be engaged this morning. So uh, uh, that's, that's, just, that's just what's on my heart this morning. And I just want to start with, uh, uh, um, with reading to us from, from John, the book of John, chapter 14, verse 6. It says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He said it. He proclaimed that he was God's son. He proclaimed that he was God. He said, worship me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. You cannot come to the Father except by me, right? And he said, uh, and he, and he said in, in Romans later, Paul, Paul writes in chapter 10, verse 9, because if you acknowledge and confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord, and in your heart you believe this, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Amen? That's the prerequisite of getting into heaven. That is the prerequisite. You've got to believe that Jesus is Lord, that he came and died on the cross for your sins, that he came to save you. There's no way that you can earn heaven. It is there by grace, right? God came and everything that he did, he did for grace. It is not earned. There's no work that we can do to justify ourselves to get ourselves in heaven. It's only but by grace, right? And he said, that's the only prerequisite. You need to confess me. You need to say that I am yours. You need to believe in me. The guy that hung on the cross with Jesus on his right hand side, he said, Father, remember me. Jesus, remember me. When you go to heaven today, and Jesus said, you will see me in paradise today. That guy wasn't baptized. He didn't go to church. He was a filthy sinner. And he made it in because he believed in Jesus in the moment. The prerequisite was faith. Amen? Can I just share that with everybody this morning? That's the prerequisite, guys. Don't get it confused. Don't get it upside down. There's nothing that you can do to make yourself more worthy of heaven. Amen? I mean, we live righteous. We live righteous because we want to, because we love our Savior, because we honor His name. We live in His righteous ways. Amen? So there's nothing that that guy on the right-hand side could have done more. The only thing he did, he says, Jesus, remember me. The guy on the left mocked him. He said, if you are the Son of God, come down from this tree. Save us if you can. And the guy on the right said, you stay your lips. Do you know who this man is? We hung here because we deserve it. This man does not. Jesus, remember me. 
today when you were in heaven. And the Savior turned to him and said, you will be in paradise with me today. Sometimes we think there's prerequisites. Sometimes we think there's stuff that we need to do. But no, it's faith. Confess and faith. The rest we do because we want to and we honor God. We get baptized because we want to show the world I belong to Jesus. And I want to have that public testimony that I belong to Jesus. And every, every person in this place, I want to know, hey, hold me accountable. I belong to Jesus. That's why we get baptized, right? Amen. That's not my message, but God just put that in my spirit today. And he said, share it, Will. Share. That's the basics of the gospel. And that's what we build the church on. And everything that flows from here flows from that, right? It flows from Jesus. Amen. Are you guys hot? You want to turn up the fan? (laughs) That's all right. So our our theme is uh, love God, love people. And we love God, and because we love God, we can love people. How many know that it's difficult to love people sometimes, right? Because people can be difficult, so it's difficult. It's easy to love God, because God is perfect, right? And uh, um, I just want to share praise for God this morning out of Psalm 34. So if you want to read with me, I'm going to be spending some time in Psalm 34. I'm going to be reading through it. And, uh, and just honoring and praising God's name. Because that's how Jesus taught us to pray. He said, uh, uh, um, our Father who art in heaven, right? And then he, then, he, then he started by exalting God's name. Hallowed be thy name. It's as easy as that. That's where we start. Hallowed be thy name. So Psalm 34 is going to be the perfect place to start for us this morning. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My life makes its boast in the Lord. Let, uh, um, um, let the humble and the afflicted hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Come on, magnify the Lord with me together, church. And every day of the week, I sought, of the, I sought the Lord and required him um, of, as, of, as a necessity and on the authority of his word. And he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. Do you, are you seeking God? Are you actively seeking God? You know, uh, I, I see here David is in a, is in a special uh, mind space where he finds himself writing this psalm. He's like, man, I, I, God, is, God is my necessity. I, I need him, right? And he, he praises God. No doubt there was some affliction in David's life at that time or there was the writer of the psalm. There was something going on, but he wasn't focusing on that. He was focusing on the praise. And he says, Lord, you are my necessity, right? You need to draw near to God. God says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. So there's an action that we have to do first. It's not just going to come out of nowhere. You need to draw near to God and he's going to draw near to you. He says, but you got to initiate. You got to start, right? There's something that you need to do. So draw near to God. Verse 5, they looked to him and, um, and they were radiant. Their faces shall never blush for shame or be confused. The poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. And each of them he delivers. Oh, taste and see that the Lord our God is good. Amen. Blessed is the man who trusts and takes refuge in him. 
Oh, fear the Lord, you saints, for there is no want to those who truly revere and worship Him with godly fear. And that godly fear that the Bible talks about there is not fear as in being fearful or or having fear of God, but that fear talks more about a respect and an awe of God. I respect, I stand in awe of God. I fear Him. The young lions lack of food and they suffer hunger, but they who seek the Lord... By, um, by the right of their need and on the authority of his word, none of them shall lack any beneficial thing. We don't lack because we seek God. So if there's areas in your life that you feel you are lacking, that you say, hey, man, there's areas in my life that I can feel there's, a, there's an emptiness there. I, I need something here. There's the answer right there. Seek God as a necessity. And he's going to start to fill the empty spaces. And if those needs and wants that you have now, right, that you feel the emptiness in are worldly things, right? There's something that the flesh desires. Those are going to dissipate. They're just going to disappear. As soon as you start to, to see God more, you're, going to, you're, going to, you're not going to value those things of the world anymore. They're going to become less and less and less. And God is going to become more and more. And your desires for in life is going to start to change. And you're going to become Christ-like. You see how it all fits together? So from the very moment that you give your heart to God, and you confess that there's still a lot of work to be done. Right? None of the things that you'll do after that point is going to make you more worthy of heaven. But it's going to make you more Christ-like. And because I love my Savior and I believe in Him, I want to be more Christ-like. Amen? Verse 11. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you to revere and worship um, and worshipfully fear the Lord. What man is he who desires life and, 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 and long for many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek, inquire for, and crave peace and pursue after it. There's a learning for us there, pursuing peace. Sometimes we don't pursue peace. (laughs) Sometimes we pursue war, especially with our spouses, don't we? No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Kurt here in the front says, no, 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 (laughs) no. He's pursuing peace. Well done. And the eyes of the Lord are towards the uncompromisingly righteous. And he, his ears are open to their cry. Isn't that awesome? God says his ears are open. He's open to the uncompromisingly righteous. There's a challenge in that. There's a big challenge posed in that. Become uncompromisingly righteous. So God's ears are open to you. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. Isn't that cool? Whenever there's evil and evil being done, the face of those, they will disappear and they will be forgotten. There's no lasting memory of that. It's the good that remains. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their distress and all their troubles. 
The Lord is close to those who are of a broken heart, and he saves as are crushed with sorrow for sin and are humble and thoroughly patient. God is, God is close to the brokenhearted. Many evils confront the righteous, but the, the Lord delivers him of them all. Many evils confront us every day. There's many stuff that's going to come your way. Many stuff that's not of God. Many stuff that's going to challenge you mentally and physically is going gonna, is gonna to come and stand against you, right? But we, were, we got God on our side, and that's what's exciting about it. The Bible says, uh, uh, um, if God is for you, who can be against you? And I thank God for it, that, he, that in Psalms it says, he's going to deliver me out of every one. And I'll confess it. I think that's something that you ought to do when you're confronted with something, right? You're confronted with something that, that, that maybe it's an, it's an old, old sin or an old desire, something that you're trying to get rid of your life. Maybe it's an uncomfortable situation. Maybe it's a colleague at work. Maybe it's a situation that's been rising up in your life. Speak to it and say, God will deliver me of you because I am his and I am his child. Pray about it. Speak to God about it. God will deliver you. Amen. He keeps all of his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil shall cause the death of the wicked. And they who hate the just and the righteous shall be held guilty and shall be condemned. The Lord redeems the lives of the servants. And none of those who take refuge and trust in him shall be condemned or held guilty. Wow, that's Old Testament. Jesus wasn't there yet, right? But he says all of those who trust in him and take refuge in him shall, shall, uh, um, shall, shall, shall not be condemned or held guilty. It sounds like a New Testament teaching right there of Jesus, right? Because that's what Jesus came to do. And if we accept him, we will not be condemned and we will not be held guilty. Isn't that cool? So yesterday... I was spending some time in my garden, planting a lot of vegetables because we're uh, doing some vegetable smoothies, our family, so grinding up the vegetables and putting in some stuff in there and then, and then we drink it because uh, we just want to you know, be a bit more healthier and it's summer, you know? So as I was spending time in my garden, I was planting all these vegetables, the Holy Spirit started speaking to me and he's like, Will, what are you planting spiritually? What are you doing in your life? What are you planting spiritually that's going to grow and bear some kind of fruit in the future? You are preparing now. You are preparing for a season of harvest. You are planting these vegetables in hopes that you, that you will get a lot of cauliflower and broccoli and whatever I've put in there, God, in hopes that I'll get all of that so that I can have that, right? That, that's, that's why I'm planting it. He says, but what spiritually are you planting in your life? What are you busy with to make sure that you have a good harvest down the line? Or are you just plodding on? And that's the question that I want to pose to you this morning. What are you busy with? What are you planting in your life during this season now? What are you doing now that's going to ensure greater growth for you spiritually down the track? Or are you just plodding on? You're just taking it Sunday by Sunday. We'll get there eventually. Or is there something that you're actively doing or pursuing God in a way or a manner that's going to ensure spiritual growth for you down the track? Here's an example. Our connect group started reading a book called The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. 
Lee Strobel was an atheist man whose, whose wife, whose partner came to God, right? She came to God and he was annoyed by the fact that she was a Christian and he wanted to disprove her Christian faith and he went out because he was an investigative journalist to disprove Christianity and Christ. He ended up coming to God by what he found and he wrote this book, A Case for Christ. So if you're a skeptic in the house, or you have some skepticism in your heart, and you, need, and you need to just clear all of that up, I encourage you to go get this book and read it. This is, an, this is re- written by a, an atheist investigative journalist that turned to Christ through what he found. This is what we're doing in our connect group. And I can already see, we're one chapter deep, and I can already see the men in the connect group, how their foundations are starting to turn. How their understanding of the word is starting to form. I can already see in their lives that there's seed that's being sowed and being planted. And I can see full-sized trees that's going to come of this and that's going to bear fruit. Isn't that awesome? And that's just one example of something that we can do. What is it that you are planting? Why are we planting? Why are we doing stuff? Why are we pursuing God? Because we love Him. Because He saved us. And there's no way we can thank Him for that grace. But we can look more like Him. And by looking more like Him, by doing that, in the pursuit of Christ, I'm going to just plant some stuff in my life that's going to bear fruit down the line. That's all. Isn't that amazing? So what are you planting? That's the first question. The second question is, what is your garden looking like now? What's your spiritual garden looking like? So if you have to wander through your spiritual garden and the way that things are done, what, what does it look like? What's in there? Is it, is it flower? Is there flowers around? Is there fruit trees around? Or is it pretty bare? What's going on in there, you know? Only you can know. It's only you and God that wanders that part of your life. What is going on in there? Is there more than that, that can be done there? Don't condemn yourself because of sin. This is, not, this is not the question. When they were sowing in the Bible and the, and the enemy came, you remember that story? I just don't recall where it's written now. And the enemy came and they sow weeds between the crops. What did, the, what did he say? Let the weeds and the crops grow to dev, together, right? At the time of the harvest, we'll separate them out. So don't, don't, don't focus on the weeds in your life. They will be smothered out by the crop, by the good things. So don't focus on the weeds, right? 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, sorry, chapter 9, verse 6. If you want to go read it with me and, or write it down. Paul says to the, to the church Corinthians, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever, whoever sows uh, generously will reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, I know Paul was speaking about money, but when I read this scripture, God was saying, well, Will, if you sow sparingly in your spirit, you're going to reap sparingly as well. If you're many years down the line, being a Christian and a Christian walk with God, and you're like, wow, I could have been a bit farther along by now. Maybe you've sown too sparingly. Can I encourage you to start sowing generously? Start planting some stuff 
Read some books. If the Bible is not, if, you, if you're like, man, well, I struggle to read, you know, I struggle to understand the Bible, join a group that does a Bible study where it can become more clearly. What are you planting in your life to facilitate your spiritual growth? Because this is something that you need to actively pursue and facilitate, right? It's not going to happen by itself. You already belong to God and you're already going to heaven because you believed and you confessed Jesus Christ. That's done. But now you need to step to become more Christ-like. Paul says in verse 8, 2 Corinthians 9, chapter 9, verse 8, And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Sometimes when the storms come, right, we feel that we're in need. And when the storms of life come and things get tough, I feel, wow, I don't have enough supplies to get through this. I'm struggling to get through this. So more generously. So that you have more in the time of need. Paul says, God is able to bless you abundantly. He's able to, but you've got to take that step. You've got to sow generously. So that in all things, at all times, you have all that you need. Amen? As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, for the righteous endures forever. Verse 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and the bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed. And he will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. And this talks, to, to, this talks about God saying that he's going to give you more seed to sow. As you sow, you reap more, right? That's going to give you more seed. And so it's going to grow in your life. And you'll see it. Christians that's been doing Bible study for many years, that's been actively pursuing God, they're always busy with something, aren't they? Where's Gay? Hey, if Gay was here this morning, she's been doing CBS Bible study for so many years. She'll tell you, man, I cannot, I cannot get enough of God's word. I cannot overstudy it. She's going over from book to book to book to book because she's reaping the harvest of everything that she's sowing, right? And the more she reaps, the more seed she gets and the more she sows and the more she gets back. She's so rich on a spiritual level. And when you go speak to her, scripture pours out, right? Isn't that cool? You will be enriched in every way that you can be generous on every occasion. How is it that the pastor always have that wisdom when you go speak to them? And it's like, hey, man, you know, I have this thing that I'm struggling with. And then his mouth opens up and there's some wisdom that pours out. And you're like, why didn't I think of that? Where is that richness coming from? How do you know that? He's just walking close to God. And, 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 and pastors and leaders are just people that is generously sowing into their lives. And then they naturally move into that position. Nothing special. Verse 12, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. The more wisdom you carry spiritually and can help others, man, it's going to overflow in many expressions, right? It's going to overflow to your kids and to the next generation. If you start planting now, that's going to pour into your next generation. 
Because of the service by which you have proved yourself, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. And for your generosity in sharing with them and everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. Isn't that cool? So we're going we're gonna to do a, a worship song if the band can come. And, and while we just, we're going to end the service there, but while we, while we do this worship song, I want you to take this time with God and just pray with him and say, hey God, show me what I can do. Show me what I can plant in my life. Show me, show me how, how can I ensure a spiritual harvest? How can I ensure greater spiritual growth with you? How can I become more Christ-like? Show me what I can plant or what I can do differently, Lord, so that I can get closer to you, more of you, Lord. That's what I want you to do. Just take this time, this song, reflect on your life, take the Holy Spirit's hand and walk through your garden with him. Amen.